Okay, welcome everyone. Good morning. It's good to see everyone again. We're just getting used to this uh, new, uh, you know, coming back to the old routine. Welcome back to Andy. And uh, your son Yaakov is returning from uh, Yushalayim. I know it's, uh, Andy's on clown nine when you're here, so... Uh, uh, so you uh, should continue to, to, to come for good things. And uh, it's good to see everyone to learn here this morning. Um, of course, this coming week's parasha, Avram Avinu is recovering... Uh, from the Brismila, which took place at the end of uh, last week's parasha, and therefore I thought it's uh, a good opportunity to review uh, the procedure of Mila. Now, most of us, uh, of course, are not Mayalim, and uh, not necessarily making a bris in, in the coming future, but we are certainly all B'nai bris, um, and therefore it behooves us to be familiar with the particulars of the mitzvah of Mila. The mitzvah of Mila, the procedure of it, the Maisa mitzvah, really entails three parts, or two, maybe three. Uh, the Mila, the Priya, and the uh, mitzitzah. The mila itself entails, of course, removing um, the uh, foreskin from the tip of the uh, Torah, uh, which, of course, is the glands at the tip of the penis. So the Mishnah says over here, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of mila, you have to remove the majority uh, of the foreskin. If you fail to remove the majority, so then you have what's left is known as tzitzin ha-ma'akvin. You have pieces of the oha'ola that are ma'akiv the mitzvah because you have not fulfilled it because you haven't removed the majority. If you remove the majority, um, then you have, there's still some skin, let's say, that's left over. Some of the foreskin remains. That's known as tzitzin she'ena ma'akvin. You remove the majority, but you didn't remove the minority. That's tzitzin she'ena ma'akvin as a mitzvah. Um, that are not ma'akiv. Nonetheless, the Gemara says, Mesech the Shabbos is a hidor mitzvah to remove all of the foreskin, all of the skin that's chayfa the atar. Now, normally we think of hidor mitzvah as an esrog box or something that I'm going to bring... Uh, something that I'm going to bring with me to shul to show off to my friends, not necessarily the mitzvah of Mila and removing, you know, the rest of the remaining foreskin, but nonetheless the Gemara applies it in this setting because the mitzvah of Hidur Mitzvah really is to do mitzvahs in the best possible fashion. And here, uh, you know, Hidur Mitzvah would demand that a person remove not only roiv of the skin that covers the atar, roiv of the foreskin, but to remove it in its entirety. If you fail to do so, again, that's titzana ma'akvin, as Hamila. Therefore, the uh, Gemara says in Shabbos, since you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah, let's say you have a bris that's doicha Shabbos, um, and you remove some of the foreskin, but not the majority, you would go back, um, you know, later to fix the Mila, to remove, you know, the majority. You'd go back for it, even a bein b'shabbos, bein b'chol, even though it entails an additional chil Shabbos. What if you, uh, you know, remove the majority of the atara, uh, the, the skin that covers the atara, but not the minority. So it's a heater mitzvah to do, you know, remove the entire foreskin, you don't remove all of it. That's seats and shein ma'akvinus So the Gemara says in Shabbos over here that if it's on Shabbos and you haven't finished the meal yet, so he hasn't wrapped up the bris yet, or he hasn't put away his knife. So then he would go back on Shabbos and remove the, you know, the, the remaining foreskin, even though you already removed the majority, already yoyt to the mitzvah. For the, the mitzvah, you go back on Shabbos as long as you haven't completed the mitzvah yet. Um, if you wrapped up the, you know, the, the makamamila and you put away the knife, then the maya would not go back to remove those, you know, additional, uh, you know, that additional piece of uh, foreskin because that entails an additional chil shabbos, which is only necessary for hidur mitzvah, and you, you wouldn't go back for it. What about during the week? That's what the Gemara says. Gemara discusses on Shabbos. What about during the week? That's a machlek seen the Rambam in the tour. The opinion of the Rambam is just like you don't go back on Shabbos, you don't go back during the week to remove additional foreskin that wasn't removed. As long as you removed roiv, you already fulfilled the mitzvah. So for tzitz and she'ena ma'akvin, pieces that are not ma'akvin, you don't go back during the week. The opinion of the tour is you go back. 
during the week, even if you already wrapped it up. On Shabbos, it's only if you didn't wrap up the Makamamila yet, then you go back. If not, then you don't go back. During the week, you could go back later and fix it all up, you know, even if you already wrapped up the meal, already put away the knife. There's a famous piece in the Briskirov and his comments on the Rambam and Hilchas Hanukkah, where he explains that the Rambam and the Torah are arguing about what is the nature of Hidur Mitzvah. The opinion of the Torah is this Mitzvah of Hidur Mitzvah, based on the Pasuk Zek, Keli Van Veo, it's not the fun of the Mitzvah, it's a separate, um, you know, uh, uh, objective. Uh, to do mitzvahs in the best possible fashion, and therefore, even if I'm done with the mitzvah itself, I was yaitz meal already, I have a new mitzvah to fulfill heder mitzvah, you know, to do it to its best possible fashion, even though the mitzvah, you know, meal is over, I'm fulfilling heder mitzvah, you go back even during the week to fix a bris meal. The opinion of the Rambam, though, is that heder mitzvah is not a separate objective, it's not a separate item. It's part and parcel of every mitzvah to do it in its best possible fashion. But if you already finished the mitzvah, you already yaitzay, pirish, see like yoda, you wrapped up the makamah meal and it's over, you gain nothing by going back now and removing the rest of the Ha'ala because the mitzvah milah is effectively over. You already yoitzay. And you can't do hidur mitzvah unless it enhances the ma'isah mitzvah. Unless it enhances the mitzvah itself, we already yoitzay. You can't go back and fill in hidur mitzvah later on. Briskarov explains that this is the machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramah and Hilchas Hanukkah, where this is a little bit more famous. Not everyone likes this Briskarov. Usually it's the beginning of a Shia where someone then attacks the Briskarov, but this is what the Briskarov says. That they're arguing about that in Hilchas Hanukkah too, where the Mahadrin and the Mahadrin of Hanukkah is not to light one candle for all of the people in the household. That's the basic mitzvah of Hanukkah. The mitzvah of Mahadrin and the Mahadrin is to light a menorah, you know, corresponding to that particular night of Hanukkah, for each one of the B'nai Abayas, for each one of the people in the house. See, a Rambam's opinion is, and it's not our practice, of course, is that the Balabayas lights all those menorahs. So if I have five people in the house, you light five menorahs, all lit by the Balabayas. He makes the Brachla Hadik Nesha Hanukkah and lights five menorahs. Um, the Ramah disagrees, and he has our practice, which is, no, each person in the household lights their own menorah. So Briskarov explains that what they're arguing about is what is the nature of Hidur Mitzvah. The Ramah is following the opinion of the tour that even if you're already yoyed to the mitzvah, there's a separate objective, a separate, you know, uh, a, a priority of Hidur Mitzvah. And that exists, you know, independently. And therefore, even though the Balabais was already yoyed Hanukkah, with one menorah. And he really, in theory, could be mighty everyone in the house with that one menorah. One candle is enough. Every single night of Hanukkah for everyone in the house. Uh, we go back and we light extra menorahs, even with a bracha, just because of Hidor Mitzvah that exists independently. The Rambam's opinion is Hidor Mitzvah cannot exist independently. It only if it's part and parcel of the mitzvah itself. So therefore, the Rambam's opinion is, if the Baal Abayis would light his menorah, then the mitzvah of you know, menorah is over. You are ready with Yaitzeh. So everyone else in the household can't now go and light another menorah with a bracha. So therefore, the Rambam, you know, is of the opinion that it has to be the Balabayas who lights all of the Menairas, otherwise the primary mitzvah is over and you have no more opportunity to add in, to stup in a Hidur Mitzvah, because Hidur Mitzvah can't exist independently. It only is there to enhance the basic mitzvah. This comes up on Sukkot too, everyone's familiar with this. If I have two Esregim to take, you know, so one that's Mahudar, but I don't know the Yichos of it, the other that's Meyuchos, I know it's an Esreg for sure, but it's not Mahudar, it's, it's ugly or whatever, has some other, you know, um, uh, problem with it. So which, I want to fulfill, you know, I want to be with an Esreg, that's Mahudar, what should I do? Which, you know, I should take both, but which order should I take them in? So they quote in the name of Rab Chaim, you should take the one that's Mahudar, that I'm not sure if it's an Esreg, first, then take the one that I'm sure is an Esreg that's not Mahudar. Because if I switch the order, if I take the one that I know is an Esreg but not Mahudar, the minute I take it, the mitzvah's over. Now I can't go back later on and fill in uh, Hidur Mitzvah. So perhaps that same machlekes exists here 
you know, can you fix a mila after, which is, uh, you know, fixing a mila now where you didn't remove the majority of the foreskin. You removed the majority, but you didn't remove the minority. That's a heat or mitzvah to remove every, you know, all the foreskin. Go back and fix it later. That's the Machlech in the Rambam in the tour. Can you fill in Hidro Mitzvah later? We, uh, Shokhanar, Paskins like the Rambam. The Ramah Paskins uh, like the tour. You should go back and fix it. I gave it to you over here somewhere. You should go back and fix it even uh, during the week. So if you, even if you did it on Shabbos, you go back there. Go during the week, yeah. yeah. So the Pisgah Chuba, though, quotes from the Shagas that the Shagas said, uh, you know, if he would have been in charge, he would not have quoted this tour. He, he doesn't, uh, he thinks that uh, once he mitzvah, that's the way the briskers think also, once the mitzvah's over, you can't fill in he mitzvah later on. And he says, if you have a katan who can't really handle it, the katan barely got through the mila, he's not that robust, not that husky, so to go back now and start cheppering with the kid and start cutting more, so the Shagasai says you could already, you know, we don't all have to necessarily be chayshish for this tour. You could be passing like the Ramam as long as you remove the roiv of the atara, a roiv of the skin that covers the atara, roiv of the arla, that's sufficient. But what is the atara? Um, you know, it seems obvious, but it, it's, it's, it's not obvious at all. The, the Mishnah says over there, Basa Chayfes Rav HaTorah, but then if you look later on, Kuf Lamed Zayin Omed Beis, over here, Ois Aleph, Rav adds on the second line, Rav Goiva Shal HaTorah, the Rav of the height of the HaTorah. So is, it, is he adding to the Mishnah, or is he explaining the Mishnah? It seems to be a Machlekes HaRishonim. Rav HaRishonim understood that he was explaining the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Basa Chayfes Rav HaTorah, the majority of the atara, you know, that's the, the glands. So, rave goiva shal atara means the majority of the height of the atara. So in order to, you know, be considered removing rave of the ha'arla, we don't take the entire surface area of the foreskin and, you know, measure what's rave. It's rave of the height at any given point in time, at any given point around the atara. So the Shulchan Aruch says, if you didn't remove, let's say there's one part of the atara where rave of the height of the Torah is covered with Arha Arla, even if around the other side there isn't foreskin, if rave of the height of the uh, Torah is covered, that's considered to be Tzitzin Hama'akvin Esamila. You haven't fulfilled the mitzvah Mila. What it has to be is throughout the whole, uh, you know, the whole Torah, the rave of the height has been uh, removed. That's the opinion of the Shulchan Arach and Rav HaRishonim. Rashi there, though, gives a different explanation. Rashi says he wasn't coming to explain the Mishnah, he's coming to add to the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Rav HaAtara, he says also, Rav Goiva Shalatara. What did the Mishnah mean then when it said Rav HaAtara? It means Rav of the uh, width, circumference of the Atara. So not only does it have to have Rav of the height of the Atara at any point around uh, the Atara, but also it has to have Rav of the circumference around the Atara. So even if I have Rav of the height, but I don't have Rav of the circumference at any point around the Atara, there's one area where there's, uh, you know, around that circumference, there's still foreskin, you haven't removed, uh, you know, Rav of the uh, Arha Arla. The Shach, over here, Ois, uh, there's just two Ois bases, but the Shach over here, Ois Beis, quotes from the Chacham Asfardi, the Beis Yosef quotes from a Chacham Asfardi, an anonymous Chacham Asfardi, that uh, also espoused this opinion, similar to that of Rashi, that uh, in order to fulfill the mitzvah, you have to remove not only the rave of the height of the altar, but rave chut hasoyveb, rave of the circumference around the altar, which is the widest point of the altar. Of course, the altar is closer to the body is at its widest, and then it gets you know more narrow. So it has to be at the you know at the the, the part of the altar that's closest to the body. You have to remove that circumference. Is the altar the height also? But, but, but according to the Chacham Asfari, even the main Atara, it's not really the height of the, uh, of the Orha Arla, it's really that circumference at the head of the, 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 you know, the part of the glands that's closest to the body. That's considered to be the primary Atara. You have to remove Rav of the uh, circumference. Perhaps they're arguing about how to define Atara. Atara means crown, of course. But it could mean 
Um, like there are two types of crowns. There's a, a crown that sits on your head like a cap, but then there's a crown that's like a wreath, like the Greeks used to wear, which is just like a circumference around. So, you know, a ring. So that's the Shiloh. What kind of atar are we talking about over here? The height of the atar? Are we talking, you know, the height? Are we talking about the circumference that's at the part that's closest to the body? for this Not only for the height of the, you know, that all of the orla has to be removed, but the circumference at any point around the atar also has to be removed. Primarily, the part that's close to the body, which is where the Arla begins. So it makes sense that you should remove the, you know, the skin uh, from that point. There, but there are some who take it a little bit further. And the Shuvahs of the Binyan Sea, and that's, of course, of Yaakov Etlinger. If you're cutting it down there, wouldn't it all come off? Yeah, so you have to go a little bit further back, right. Instead of cutting it off cutting towards the, the tip, you have to cut it off further back. Of course, then the rest will fall off. Right, so, so you just have to cut it further back. But then, right, it's closer to the body. So in the Chuvas of the Binyan Sian, he writes, he had a Chuvah there from Shimshon for Hirsch, who saw someone, someone saw someone in the mikvah, and he noticed that his Mila looks somewhat different than everybody else's. In what way? Behind the Yatara, behind the glands, there's a, I'm sure there's a medical term for it, a biological term, there's a charit, there's a, an indentation. So he saw that his, uh, you know, uh, skin comes right up to the Atara, to the glands, but the charit behind it is not visible. So he says, that's still covered. He says, that also called the, you know, the atara. Is that part of the atara? That not only do you have to expose the glands, but even the charitz, the indentation that's behind it, or is it just the glands itself? So Binyan Sian says he thinks it's poshit, that the gam hashetach ara charitz hu atara. Even the indentation that's behind the glands, you also have to remove, you know, the skin from there. So we're getting a little bit now even a little bit closer to the, you know, to the body. You have to remove the rive, and now any circumference along the way around, if you have one, uh, you know, a piece of skin, that, that could create a problem that you haven't removed, you know, rive of the atara, because rive of the atara doesn't mean the skin that's covering the atara necessarily. It could mean a circumference at any point. And if you have, you know, if you have a rive that goes all the way around, that might even be tzitzin hama'akvin asamila. But there's a, a fundamental question here in terms of measuring this and putting this into practice, is when do you measure this? Is this measured when the aver hazachros, is bekishoi, is erect, or do you measure it when it's berofa, when it's flaccid? So the Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos over here, um, based on the Mishnah, Ois Aleph. Im hai a bal Let's say you have a katan who's a bal baser. Yeah, pudgy. And um, I'm not trying to be politically correct, and I don't think the term applies to a baby. But you have a pudgy baby, and the uh, arla after you cut it goes back, or the skin kind of regrows, which is something that even I, in my anecdotal experience, have have seen. So the skin uh, grows back. I had a friend who had a few boys, and this kept happening. So the, the skin grows back over the Torah. So now it's covered. But you removed the Ahar the first time. So the Gemara says you have to cut it again. Even though you removed the Mila, you did it properly, there's a Maris Ayin that it looks like you didn't do a Mila. So you, you did it, but now the skin came back, so you have to remove it. But when do you check? You know, from our sign, is that Bishah that the Aver is Bikishoy or when it's uh, Birafa? So the Gemara says over here on the third line, Katan Masuba Babasa, Raina, so it calls Mansha Miskashe. Viniramahu, if, you know, when the Aver is Niskashe, uh, he appears Mahu, Aino Tarachlimo, then Lav Tarachlimo. So you check when the Aver is Bikishoy. Of course, it's a biological reflex, of course, yeah. So the Shaila is, is that only for the Maris Ayin? Now, this, this comes up, by the way. It's the Maris Ayin. That's why if you have a, a, a pudgy baby, I'm not, I don't want to speak in front of the, you know, the experts, but if you have a pudgy baby, just anecdotally, I've been told by Moyalim, you have to put Vaseline or something there if you sense that it might come back to make sure it doesn't adhere. Just pull it back. Pull it back. Okay, so pull it back. <laughs> 
whatever it is, different, <laughs> different strokes, but okay, we pull it back. Anyway, but it can happen. This happens. Sure, it happens. Yeah. So the Ramah here has a cooler though from the Chumas Hadesh, and this is important, Halach Lamaisa, is that it, he says, since the whole issue is Marisayan, if any part of the Atara is visible, even if it's a minority part of the Atara, you don't have to worry about the Marisayan. Yeah, he says over here, um, on the third line of Ois Dawid, You don't have to see the Since you have to fix it if it's a part of it, and if it's seen, What if, you know, but, but what, you know, what about a regular Milo? When do you ascertain that you've removed Roiv of the skin that covers the Atara, Roiv of the Arha Arla, with however you define that, whether that's the height of the Atara, whether that's the circumference of the Atara, perhaps even the charitz that's behind, you know, the Atara. When do you ascertain that? Bishah, that the Aver is miskasha, Bishah, that the Aver is, is, uh, is berufah, when it's erect or when it's flaccid. So that you don't see, you know, you don't see, uh, you don't see in, in the Gemara. So the shach there, again, over here, Ois Dawud, quotes from the Chacham Asfardi. Chacham Asfardi keeps causing problems. It quotes from the Chacham Asfardi, that no, it's only for the Maris Ayin that you check Bishas Kishoy. With regards to the regular Mila, you have to check Bishas that the Aver is Berofa when it's flaccid, which means you're going to have to cut more. Things are more compacted. So he says, Rekosu Shabedikas HaKishoy over here, fifth line of Aizdao, Go Nema Rebnei HaMesurbo Bamaduldo, meaning he's Paji, Shanimo Tchil Kilchasa, Avalachol Hashar Tzorosh Tehatar Megula Av Shaloi Bishas Kishoy. Even when it's not Bishas Kishoy. So the Shach disagrees. He says, and he found the Yushalmi. The Yushalmi says that there's no difference. You always assess a meal of a Kishoy, not only for the Marisayim, the child who had a meal is done properly, and now we're concerned that it appears uh, otherwise, uh, or for doing a meal initially, you always check when the you know, Aver is erect, but the, the Shach you know, is, is fighting City Hall a little bit, because many Paiskim already Paskin like the Chacham Asfari, the Pesachai Tshuva, Kosan Sam Sefer, who Paskin like this Chacham Asfari. So the Sefer Abris, Sefer. Well, explain. Sefer Abris was written by as a Sefer on Hilchas Mila classic was written by Ramosha Piratinsky, who was a uh, well-known male, uh, uh, and I think in uh, in uh, Chaim Berlin, I think he was here. He was here. No, he was here. He was here. Uh, he died uh, fifteen years ago. So he wrote a Sefer on Hilchas Mila, which is the you know the classic Sefer on Hilchas Mila called Sefer Abris. So he, he was an experienced male. Right, you got to be careful. If you put all the chumras together over here, so then, which means that you have to have the Rav HaTorah's Mizgalah Bishah that the Aver is Berofah when it's flaccid. And the Atara doesn't just mean the height of the Atara at any point around the Atara. It means the circumference, the ring, around the widest part of the glands you know, at the tip of the penis. But not only that, it's the, uh, it's the charit, it's the indentation behind that so you, you, you could be, you know, you have to be careful that uh, you have to be experienced to know that you're not going to cut too much skin, which could cause problems, not only cosmetically for the child, but you don't want to have to have skin grafts or anything like that. You know, that, that kind of having not enough skin could be a significant uh, scar tissue and things. So you have to be very careful if you're going to be machmer for all the chumras over here um, um, you know, not, to make sure that you do it properly. I think as a result of that kind of cautionary uh, tale, so some Muslim in our times have gone to the other extreme, which is often what happens when the pendulum swings in one direction, you know, one way then goes the other. And some Muslim therefore are a little bit hesitant in terms of what they cut, and sometimes, according to some, don't even cut enough. So there's a tshuva, a few tshuvas, in the tshuvas van Hagas from Sternbach, that he is, you know, shrying against how some ma'alim, you look at it afterwards, and they see that they didn't cut enough, you have to go back and think about fixing it and removing more. 
because we're not sure exactly where the Torah is and is it is a world of circumference. And he wanted to be Masakin that every male has to have another male being Mashgiach over his meal to make sure it's done, um, you know, uh, properly. There always has to be another male watching. And he's, 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 he's distraught that no one took his suggestion seriously that every male should hire another male to overlook uh, their work. Anyway, you have to find the proper balance between these two things. I've seen them that, that um, do not probably cut enough, but you have to, I've seen, but we all hear horror stories of Mylam going way too much. So you have to, uh, there has to be a proper balance over here. Um, that's the first part of the Mila. The most simple is the uh, removing the Arha Arla that covers the Atara. Underneath the, uh, the Arha Arla, the foreskin is an Arha Priya, which is a mucous membrane. So in the times of the Gemara, this Mila was done in uh, two parts. There was Mila, they would cut the, uh, the foreskin, and then um, that would be removed. And then the Arha Priya, they would peel with their nail, peel it back, rip it, and peel it back. That was not removed. Piskei Tshuva writes in the name of Hamudei Daniel and the Chachmas Adam as well that you can't do that with the Atara. You can't just peel back the Atara. There was some Merlin who didn't cut enough, so instead of removing the rest of the Atara, they would just peel it back. That's not good enough for the Atara. The, the foreskin, for the skin that covers the Atara, the foreskin has to be removed, the Orha Arla. The Orha Priya is what can be pulled back. Now, it's interesting. The Gemara says, Mesechtes Avram Avinu did not get the mitzvah of Priya. The mitzvah of Priya was given uh, later as a halachal moishim Sinai Rashi, you know, the Mefarshim Achumish explained Avram Avinu either didn't have an Or Priya, it was he was too old or something, or he didn't, you know, the, the mitzvah of Priya came later. Whatever it is, halachal moishim Sinai developed later that it's not enough with Mila to remove the foreskin; you have to have Priya too, and each one is miyakev. The Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos, back uh, Ois Aleph, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Presumed to be a lachal moishmisina. The Gemara talks about Yevamah said it was given to Yeshua. It's based on the pasuk say for Yeshua. So I guess Arabs only do. Uh... I wouldn't know, but yeah. So malvulo para kilulo mal. If you do mila without priya, so then you haven't fulfilled your mitzvah. You need both. There's an interesting though yam shushleima. What exactly is priya? There's a membrane underneath the foreskin. Okay. You'll Google. You'll see a membrane, and you rip it and pull it back. So the um, so the uh, you have to do both though. So the Yam Shoshlema, that's the Marshal and his commentary on that Gemara Masechtes actually has two opinions. What does it mean, Mavolo Parakilu Lomal? What happened over here? Is Mila and Priya two separate mitzvahs, or is it one mitzvah and Priya came to add to the original mitzvah? I mean, the original mitzvah was just removing the Arla. Priya came and said, no, not only that, you have to remove the membrane, the mucous membrane uh, that's underneath it as well. Is it a separate mitzvah or is it part of the mitzvah Mila? So it actually, he quotes two opinions there, the Yam Shoshlema, from Mishraynim, and it seems to be a machlek shulchan aruch in the Ramah. Can you split it up on Shabbos? Of course, a mila is deicha Shabbos. We try and minimize school Shabbos as much as possible. There used to be machabe two different. We can't even imagine such a thing. There used to be machabe two different people with mila and priya. One I've never seen it. Maybe someone here has. One person was machubed with the mila. They call someone else up for the child that's sitting there suffering for the priya. So the shulchan aruch says, if you want to do that, that's fine. Not on Shabbos because you're being mar bechilul Shabbos. And the Ramah says. He says, V'adar Rabban, you're read the Shari, just like, eh, it's mutter, just like during the week, it's mutter on Shabbos too. So the, uh, the Ramah, see, the Yam Shoshleim, uh, the, the Ramah is here, is quoting from the Yam Shoshleim, uh, in the same source as Yam Shoshleim is quoting, and there they explain that it's because Mila and Priya is one mitzvah, is, I'm sorry, it's two separate mitzvahs. So Mila is doich Shabbos, Priya is doich Shabbos. So if they're two separate mitzvahs, Mila is done, that guy was allowed to do what he did because he was doing a mitzvah, and the second one will do the priya. According to the Shulchan Aruch, Mila and priya are the same mitzvah. So you call up one guy to do Mila, 
and you assume that that's Deich Shabbos, but it's only Deich Shabbos if you do it together with the Priya. And he didn't do the Priya. You're going to call someone else up for the Priya. And the Mi'ah alone is not Deich Shabbos without the Priya. So you can't, you can't split it up. The guy who wants to, you know, wants to do the Mi'ah has to do the Priya too. Otherwise, his Kul Shabbos was, was, was insufficient, was in vain. So is it two separate mitzvahs or one separate, you know, one mitzvah? It, it could be they're arguing about, the Chaim, in his Sefer on the Rabbim, Hilchus Malchal Sasuris, explains that there's two types of Allah Chalmah There's one kind of Allah Chalmah that comes to expand upon an original halacha, right, uh, 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 upon a mitzvah. Lamashal. Arlon Chutzlaretz is Allah Chalmah the first three years of a tree, and I got to eat from the fruits. In Eretz Yisrael, there's another halacha called Revai. The fourth year, you can't eat from the fruits either. You have to be paided before you eat it. Does Revai apply in Chutzlaretz or not? So Arlo in Chutzlaretz, that, that does apply in Chutzlaretz. You've got to be careful when you go apple picking or something picking on Chalamai to make sure you don't pick in the first three years. If you pick in the first three years, if they tell you, oh, it's a new orchard, then you, you just discovered Arlo in Chutzlaretz, which is Aser. But what about Revai? Is Revai Aser in Chutzlaretz? That's a Machlech, it's the Ramam and the Goinim. It doesn't appear anywhere in the Gemara. The Ram writes you royally that it doesn't apply. The Goinim say it does apply. So Prime explains what they're arguing about is Arlon Chutzlaretz is Allah Chalmach Misinai. The primary mitzvah of Arlon is in Eretz Yisrael. What happened when there was Allah Chalmach Misinai of Arlon Chutzlaretz? Did that come and extend Arlon of Eretz Yisrael to Arlon Chutzlaretz? But it, says, it came to, you know, expand it. Allah Chalmach Misinai came to say the mitzvah is not only in Eretz Yisrael, it applies to Chutzlaretz too. If that's the case, revive should get schlepped along as well. Or is this a new halacha? Arlon Eretz Yisrael is one thing. This halacha Chalmach Misinai was mechadesh, a new thing. And it was Mechadesh, Arlon, Chutzlaretz. If that's the case, who's to say that uh, Revai gets carried over as well? There's a new halacha. It's not explaining, it's not Mifareshes, it's Mechadeshes. It's doing something new. So maybe over here was also, that's what they're arguing about with regards to Priya. The Allah Chumash Priya, did that come to expand the Mitzvah Mila? It's not enough to move our Har you have to peel back to our Priya too? Or is that coming to a new halacha? You have Mila, now we have Priya, each one is Deich Shabbos independently, each one is a separate Mitzvah, maybe you could split it up to two individuals. In the time of the Gemara, it was done in two separate stages. Remove the Har peel back to our Priya. In today's times, that's not typically the way that it's done. Uh, there are still some places that do do that, um, um, but that's typically not the way that it's done. The way that it's done is um, that the mayo will probe underneath the arhapriya, separating it from the glands. Now that causes minimal bleeding. That's why the baby cries. If you hear a mayo who is cheppering with the baby a long time after he opens the diaper, though, they tell the mother, the baby's crying because it's cold. The baby's not crying because it's cold. The baby's crying because the mayo is taking a probe and separating the arhapriya from the glands. Some mayalim do this before they ever get into the shul. So you think that they're so fast and they're so proficient and efficient and he must be better than the guy who's taking along. I mean, he's not better. He bothered the baby in the prep room before he ever brought the baby into the, into the shul. Many of the mayalim who we know, without naming names, who move quickly, that's what they do. They, they bother the baby before they ever got into the shul. They probe. They take a probe and separate the ahapriya from the atara. So, and that creates a minimal amount of bleeding and, of course, discomfort for the baby. Does that free up? No, because it's still there. So then they use a hemostat, which is like a, 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 a forceps, and they pull both beyond the glands. Then they insert a mugging. A mugging is like a metal shield with a very small slit in between. The glands itself cannot fit through the mugging. So they put the glands behind the mugging. The skin is thin enough that they can pull it through. So they pull through with the hemostat, uh, the arhapriya and arhaala, and they put that down and protecting the glands. If you ever hear of a male who unfortunately cut not only too much skin, but too much, you know, he was not using a mugging. 
The mugging, though, is a new thing. Some are not happy with the mugging. It's an innovation. It's a few hundred years old. Before that, they used to not use a mugging. But anyway, so a mugging is already from the times of the Prima Godim. Chiddush. So they put the mugging down. They cut the Orha Priya and the Orha Orva at exactly the same time with one scalpel cut. So we don't pull back the Orha Priya anymore. They typically cut them both, you know, with one scalpel, riding along the mugging. So it's quite a simple, I'm not minimizing what the mugging won't do, but quite a simple procedure. If you arrange it properly, you probe it, then you pull it forward, put down the mugging, and then they slice along the, um, you know, the, uh, they have to make sure they pull the right amount of skin. It's a little bit complicated, of course. And then they cut them both together. So there were some Paiskim who were opposed to this new practice of doing Mila and Priya Babasachas, or Yaakov Entlinger and the Binyan who again, let's put him in context, was fighting the reform and a lot of other innovations. Um, so he was very opposed to Mila and Priya Babasachas, as were many others. However, the Maram Shik and uh, Ramaisha, you know, today just jumping fast forwarding a few hundred years, many Paiskim, of course, approve of the practice of Mila and Priya Babasachas. And in fact, they found already like that a precedent for that in Rav Haigun. Over here it says in the Chuvas of Rav Haigon, in the Sh- this is going around a thousand years, in the Chuvas Shari Tzedek over here, Oisches, that he heard in Babel that there were those who did Mila and Priya Babasachas. Again, it's hard to do without a mugging and forceps and, 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 and a probe. So in those days it was a skill. They weren't able to do it. Today it's, 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 easy, you know, it's the easier way of doing Mila. So, uh, so you know, the tip, but it already has its you know, precedent earlier, and therefore there are those that kind of you know, embraced uh, this procedure, even though you're not using the nail, which used to be used. They used to use the nail. If you look in the Shulchan Aruch, it says you're supposed to do the Priya with the nail. And the Medrash actually comments its significance to that, because that all my bones in my body scream out to you, the Rebbeinah Shalom, is not only the source for shuckling, that's why some people shuckle during davening, my whole bones should scream out to you, but also each one of the parts of the body has a use for a specific mitzvah. So the Medrash comments that the nails have a use for a mitzvah, for Havdoah, we look at the difference between the nail and the skin, we use the nail for Malika, in the uh, shechting birds in the Beis HaMikdash, and it's used, it says the Medrash, for Priya. So just like it's a mitzvah to use it for Malika, maybe it's a mitzvah to use it for Priya, and there are those that felt we can't do uh, this Nayazach of doing Mila and Priya for Basachas, but today that's came uh, out the, the standard uh, in most places, is that they do Mila and Priya for Basachas, and they don't use the uh, nail anymore. Okay, that's the Mila, removing rive of the skin that covers, you know, the entire rive of the foreskin, we discussed how to measure that, then beneath that is the Arapriya, and, and, you know, and uh, hundreds of years ago they used to pull back the Arapriya and not remove it. Today we typically do it together. But then there's a third part to the mitzvah Mila, perhaps, which is mitzitzah. The uh, Gemara says over here, Ois Tes, that after they cut off the Arapriya and pulled back the Arapriya, the male would suck from the Makam Amila the blood, uh, the blood out. And the Gemara says, Mesech the Shabbos, this was done in order to uh, prevent an infection or some other kind of medical sakana. That's why it's Doi Shabbos, even though this involves an additional Chil Shabbos, it was Doi Shabbos, because Sakonis Nefashis is Doi Shabbos. And the Gemara says, a, 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 a male who does not do Mitzitzah, we remove him because he's endangering the child. That's what the Gemara seems to say. It's all based on sakana. It seems to be that it's based on sakana. So there are other practices we have at the meal in order to prevent sakana. Lamashal, the Gemara says in Shabbos, everyone knows, in Erevin, they used to wash the baby in hot water before and after the bris milah in order to prevent infection as an antiseptic. It already says in Shulchan Arach, in Hilchaz Mila B'Shabbos, Shem and Shin Lamed Aleph, B'zman Chachmei HaGemar, V'hir Oisiyod, Im Lohoi Reisim Es Havlav, V'fnei HaMilu, Achar HaMilu, B'yom Shlishi L'Mila, B'mayim Chaim HaYim Mesukon, L'Bi HaSakana. L'fichok Nizku L'Lichtoiv Mishpatoi K'Shachal Yoyz B'Shabbos. So therefore, you know, we would have had to talk about heating up water and all the halachas about, you know, what if a meal falls on Shabbos. But HaIdna L'Oinagu B'Rechitza Klau. The Shulchan Arach is writing, in the 1500s. 
that we don't do this anymore. But Dino Lirchot's Beshabbos, we don't have to do this. We have better practices of antiseptics than washing the baby in hot water. So we did away with it because we have better practices. So, so you know, is Mitzitza the same thing? It was only in order to prevent infection. I remember they believed letting out blood, right? Hadam was in order to prevent infection. <coughs> so Mitzitza makes perfect sense in that context. You know, should, should it change? Why so, isn't going back a problem I'm sorry? Going back and fixing up what you messed up. Why would that endanger the child? If it would endanger the child, you're right. Hopefully it doesn't endanger the child. So Amnenezer, though, writes over here that there's, no, there's a fundamental distinction between mitzitzah and between uh, washing the baby. Washing the baby was an extraneous activity to the maisa hamila. It wasn't part and parcel of the mila. That's a heksha. It's like putting on the diaper and taking off the diaper. That's washing the baby before and after. That's not part of the maisa hamila. Here, mitzitzah was part of the maisa hamila. So says the Amnenezer, even though it was motivated without a doubt because of sakana, once it became an essential activity, it blends in to become part of the Maisa Hamila itself and takes on an additional significance. And now, even if the need for Sakana is no longer relevant, this practice remains enshrined as part of the Maisa Hamila itself. What you know, part of the Maisa Hamila is this, you know, how is this even part of the Maisa Hamila at all? So I'm going to explain because it's part of another aspect of Hamila which we haven't spoken about until now, which is Dambris. Rashi writes over here, Masech the Shabbos, that there's an additional aspect to uh, proper Mila, and that is it has to have Hatofas Dambris. Without Dambris, you haven't you know, properly done a Mila. Rashi bases it on Pesach and Sefer Zechariah, Gam At Bedambrisecha, but it could be based also on the Pesach and Yechezko, V'Omalach Bedomayechayi, V'Omalach Bedomayechayi, uh, which refers to the Dam of Pesach, the Dam of Prismigo, which they put on their houses as we left Mitzrayim, as we know from the Agada. So the Pasuk mentions, you know, Dam uh, Bris. So the fact that you need Dam itself is he seems to be essential to the Mila, even though it's not mentioned, you know, directly by the Mishnah as an essential you know, component of Mila. Dam Bris, you know, by, by just, you know, by, by, the, by, by all the discussions we have about Mila that seem to focus on Dam Bris, Right, if a Mila, well, we'll get to in a second, if a person is Noilad Mohu, he's born without a bris Mila, which I guess could happen. So he, I don't think it happens too often, but it would require Hatafas Dambris. You have to remove a little bit of Dam. So it sounds like Hatafas Dambris is an essential component of Mila, even though he doesn't have a foreskin, but you remove some Dam, you're accomplishing something. Part of the mitzvah, a prick, part of the mitzvah is. Uh, you know, is to have um, is to have dambris. So the mitzitzah is blending into the ma'isa mila, not in the arla part, not in the priya part, but it is accentuating this to become the official way that we fulfill hatafas uh, hatafas dambris. And hatafas dambris is a separate mitzvah. There's a famous uh, tshuva in the Mishkanis Yaakov who's resolving a contradiction in the Rambam. The Rambam writes over here, Oisid Gimel, that um, person is noyad mo who requires hatafas dambris. He requires a toughest dambris. So the Gemara meant, yes, why do you require a toughest dambris if you know the mo? So Gemara says, because maybe there's a hidden arla there somewhere, an arla kvusha. What that means, I, I have no idea, but there's a hidden arla, and it can be removed, a hidden foreskin somewhere. It can be removed if you do one little drop of blood, somehow removes this arla kvusha, this hidden arla. If that's the case, that a noilan mo requires a toughest dambris because of this little hidden arla, then he's an aurel until he has a toughest dambris. He's kiilu, he hasn't had a brismigo yet. Yet the Rambam writes in Hilchos Trumas, over here, Oisu Dalin, Hanoilad Mahu, Oichobetruma. If a person is born without a brismila, Gemal, he can eat Truma. How can he eat Truma? If you're afraid there's a hidden Arla somewhere there, that you need Hatavas Dambris to remove it, 
He's an Ariel. How can he eat Shuma? An Ariel is not allowed to eat Shuma. So Mishkanis Yaakov explains within the Rambam, the Rambam must have understood differently than the Gemara, that when the Gemara said a Nerod Moho requires a toughest Dambris, that might have been some Havamina along the way, you know, to remove an Arla Kfusha. What it really is, is that even though you don't have an Arla anymore, or you never were born with one, you can't do the Mitzvah Mila, you can at least fulfill this separate Indian of Hatafas Dambris. A separate Mitzvah. A part of component of, you know, Mila is Hatafas Dambris. That's why uh, many Paiskim all the Paiskim, were opposed to the clamp. The way a circumcision is performed in the hospital, I believe today still, is with a clamp. The clamp, they don't cut it the way we do. They insert a cap underneath. They probe between the Arhapriya and the glands. Insert a me- I've seen them. Insert a metal cap. Rabbi Tenler used to say, they invented this in the Spanish Inquisition. But there's a cap that goes on top of the glands. And then there's a metal cap. And then there's a clamp that comes on down that looks like, an, I guess, an orangey press type thing. Clamps down, cuts off circulation to the uh, arha And then after a few minutes, circulation's been cut off, the skin just falls off because uh, the skin adheres uh, beneath it. That's, hospitals love it for a few reasons. First is, it's much more uh, cosmetic. You know, if you think about, we're making a linear uh, you know, cut for a circular or a cylindrical organ. Uh, cosmetically, something has to give over here. It doesn't make sense. Uh, so you do it in a hospital with a circular instrument, it makes much more sense. Also, it's bloodless, so there's no follow-up, and there's no risk of infection, which is everything hospitals love, you know, so all these kinds of things. Uh, Mayolim, who do bris is in exotic locations, you're going to fly, let's say you live in Fiji, a Chabad guy in Fiji, and he needs a bris for his son, who's going to fly in to do a bris in New Zealand? You know, so uh, maybe there's a Mayolim who lives there, but I don't, I don't think so. So you're going to have to fly one in. He doesn't want to have to come back to check the baby two days later. So it would be better if he could do something that's bloodless. Uh, that would solve a lot of problems. So, so, so there was a temptation to use this clamp. Right, all the Paiskim, come on, were against the clamp because there's no blood. So they said, yeah, but there is some blood because when you probe to put the cap underneath, it bleeds a little bit. They said, nah, that's not the blood from the, you know, from, the, from the bris. That's the blood from inserting the cap. That's not from cutting off the Arha Arla. That's from a trauma that you did before the Mila. That doesn't count. So it has to be bought from the Mila. So the, the clamping idea, you know, didn't go, didn't go anywhere. All the pies came out, uh, you know, did, did away with it. But then in the 50s, there was a male named Harry Bronstein who uh, had a suggestion that he passed by the G'daylem. He claims to have got Rebleza Silver to be Moskim. Uh, Ramayusha, there's conflicting reports about what his opinion was in the Tshuva. He's not happy about it. He accepts it, you know, B'diyeve, but not L'chachila. And that is that he took the mugging that we have and he adjusted it. What he did was, it's a, you know, it looks like the mugging, which is a shield. I assume everyone's seen it with like a little slit where you put the skin in between. But he put a, a, a clasp at the bottom that makes it tighter. That cuts off circular. It functions like a clamp, but it's not a circular thing. Um, and you, uh, it clamps it down. But what he did was he carved out in, that, uh, in, the, in the, uh, the slit where you put the skin uh, a notch where the skin will not circulation will not get cut off, and there'll be a little circulation to that one piece of skin. So when the male slices with his scalpel along the mugain, there'll be a little bit of bleeding from that one spot where he carved out, where he didn't cut off circulation. You follow what I'm saying? There's a slit, and he makes a notch. So, Bronson thought he solved everything. It's mainly bloodless, uh, so you solve the problem of follow-up and infection, uh, but you still have a little bit of blood. So, Ramayusha says, okay, maybe be the Yeved, and Rav Shalom said like that. Rabbi Paiskim, we're not into it, Lechachila uh, certainly, because uh, the, the Indian, there's an Indian to have blood, Hatafas Dambris, and that's what, you know, Metzitza is, is primarily accentuating, is that mitzvah of having, um, you know, of, of having um, uh, uh, um, Dambris. 
but it seems like it was motivated by, you know, by infection, but he had to blend it in to become a part of the, the mitzvah. The mitzvah, though, of course, was done, usually, traditionally, with the mouth. So 200 years ago, people realized that that might create, um, and it's, there's a Kabbalah de Kinyan and why it's done with the mouth. We've talked about it in the past. Uh, that uh, the chait of the Eitz Hadas, this is the Chesed Lavramar, it's like this, the chait of the Eitz Hadas, Chava took from the Eitz Hadas and gave Tadim Arishan to eat. So she took with her hands and he ate with his mouth. On Friday night, we try and be machaper for the chait of the Eitz Hadas. We make Kiddush over wine. Some say the Eitz Hadas was grapes. We make Kiddush over wine. We make Hamoitzi over chala. Some say the Eitz Hadas was a chita. We're attempting to be machaper for the Eitz Hadas. And that's why it says in Shulchanach, you're supposed to pick up the kais with two hands, like Chava picked up the fruit of the Eitz Hadas and gave to Adam HaRishan to eat. So some pe- people pick up the kites with two hands and give to someone else to make Kiddush or to make benching in order to be Machaper for the Chait of the Eitz Hadas. So, so too over here, we want to use in the Mila, says the Chesed Lavrom, the hands, then the mouth, in order to be Machaper for the Eitz Hadas. They say from the Ariya Kodesh, it's in the Shara Kavonis, that Peh is Gematria Mila, 85-85. Uh, and we're sucking out the Malkam and the Mila in order to, su- it's also Gematria Likim. We're sucking out the Midas Hadin that happened after the Eitz Hadas and hoping to bring in to the world Midas Harachim. And many holy inyanim in, uh, in doing Mitzitzah Bepeh. So Sam Seifer says, though, what really motivated this was clearly, you know, the, the medicinal side of it. And the Kabbalah de Kinyanim, you know, are, 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 are there as well. But the Sam Seifer says, you know, 200 years ago, they realized that there are germs, and germs lead to infections and viruses. So someone asked the Sam Seifer in 1836, a Talmud of his from Vienna. Interestingly, the Sam Seifer's response does not appear in the Chuvah Sam Seifer. It only appears in other sources. But, okay... Sam Seifer has a tshuva, which no one questions the validity of it. The Mishnah Brewer himself quotes it over here, Oisir Ches. Sam Seifer was asked to discover that perhaps it could lead to an infection or a virus being transmitted from the mail to the baby at the time of the mitzitzah. Do we have to continue to do mitzitzah if there is that risk of transferring a, you know, a virus or an infection from the mail to the baby? Today, most people are concerned with uh, a herpes virus, you know, which ma- many people have and sometimes sheds from the mouth and it could be transferred from a male, uh, even unknowingly, to, that's the fear, to the baby. But they were presumably concerned with other things like syphilis and, and, and other uh, infectious diseases. It could be transferred to the baby at the time of the meal. So some Seifer says, if that's the concern, you don't have to do mitzitzah bepeh, you'll extract the blood. He still assumed it was part of the mitzvah. Use a sponge that will also pull out the blood. He wasn't willing to do away with it entirely, even though the Gemara says it was motivated by medicine and medicine chain. No, some cipher says we should still do it. Do it, you know, with a sponge. Can you use like a suction cup? So uh, that's what he meant. Same, same idea. So others argued, uh, others argued that the some cipher meant this as a hirasha. There's a truth in the Maram Shik, one of the main Talmud of some cipher. Some cipher said this, but he meant it as a hirasha. Some say that's why it's not published in the truth of some cipher. It was only meant as a hirasha. It was not meant as a psak ladeiros. Um, other Paiskim assumed that the Chsam Seifer, you know, accepted this Lamaisa, and others disagreed even with the Chsam Seifer. The Binyan Tzian disagreed, no, you have to do Metzitzah B'Peh. As a Pshara, Rabbi Yitzchak Al-Kharan said 150 years ago, do it with a tube. You use a pipette, a uh, tube, put it on the Makamamila and suck like that. You're doing Metzitzah B'Peh, still doing Metzitzah, just without the direct contact between the Mayo and the Tinoik. And, of course, there was opposition to it because it's a change in the process of Mila, and maybe it has to be direct and all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's sucking with enough suction out. Okay, so there were people who had their tinas on it, but that was a nice pshara that suggested you could have, you could have both. About, uh, you know, 50 years ago, you know, this has been in the news, as we all know, in, in recent times, because there were those who claimed that there was herpes that was transmitted from a male to a tinok, and it happens, you know, recurringly. So there were those... 
without mentioning names, who went to the New York, uh, you know, health board, Department of Health, to attempt them to, uh, you know, to prevent, to outlaw uh, Matitza. So there, many people have, you know, even if you don't believe in, you know, you hold like some safer, uh, and many others, by the way, who held, you don't need Matitza Bepe, it could be done Bekli, you need Matitza, but do it Bekli, or certainly with a tube, uh, even if you're, you, 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 know, you don't demand Matitza Bepe Mamish, there were those who were opposed to going to the government and have them regulating religious practice. Obviously, that's a very dangerous precedent. And there were some doctors who claimed that we don't even know if herpes gets transmitted from Mila, you know, from Matitza, from the male to the baby. It makes sense that it does, Right? We know how germs do get transmitted, and if someone is sick and they're sucking on the makamamila, you would think germs could get transmitted, but no one has ever done the forensic um, you know, DNA testing to connect a male with a tinak. So some claim, just because lots of things make sense and aren't true, so this might make sense and just not be true, maybe in the minimal time that they're connected, there really isn't any transmission of viruses one from the other. So those that argue that it's never been proven you know, to have happened, and anyway, we don't want the government involved in regulating Jew- Jewish practice, which I, I, I wholeheartedly believe we don't. So, but uh, you know, changes since COVID? Yeah, so many, many stopped doing it during COVID because of that, yeah. But either way, those are the two perspectives. Some do it with a tube, some insist on doing it uh, repair, and uh, those, are, those are some of the issues that are involved. Yeah. <laughs>